0: Welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who is never afraid to take the stairs, even if there's an elevator right there. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing?
1: Doing good, Kieran. That's the truth. Big proponent of taking the stairs, you know, those little things like get some extra steps, a little extra exercise. I think it's good for you. Um... It's one of our last pods of the offseason, spring training. I'll be there on Monday, the 12th, day after the Super Bowl. I will be down in Lakeland, uh, starting to get the baseball itch a little bit. Yesterday, I spoke at the uh, Southeast Michigan Sabre Chapter meeting. We had a panel talking about the, the career of Miguel Cabrera. And then uh, bouncing around some bars at night, stopped in Nemo's, where they have their annual uh, birthday celebration for Babe Ruth. Uh, first time going to that is a pretty cool event to witness. So, uh, yeah, we're we're going to be in the thick of this before you know it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I guess technically this isn't our last pod of the off season, but in my mind it is because next week there'll be you know day after Super Bowl when you're traveling, it'll be kind of like in season topic style instead of off season stuff where we're gonna. We're gonna talk about something we talked about all off season here in a bit, but it'll be the last time I think we're sort of like framing it that way. Uh, so why don't we start out? We had a podcast earlier this week after Colt Keith's extension press conference, kind of introductory in nature, really, because you know he signs, you know he signs. It's just like any other free agent contract uh, press conference. It's kind of how it looked. You know, you got the jersey and everything. Families there, you know. Uh, so we talked immediately after that and uh, I wanted to just kind of tie a bow on it a little bit in the sense that I've gone, like, post-extension, even without the extension I was anticipating this, but especially post-extension, I had kind of been in the frame of mind that this, like, second base was more or less Colt Keith's job to lose uh, or not earn, whatever language you want to use, and he was... There was little doubt, barring something weird, that he was going to break with the team from Lakeland. Now, there's been some other people in, in the Tigers face, uh, Tigers space and then, you know, like MLB Network stuff, you know, where they do little, little three minutes about each team type stuff, and they show like a projected lineup. And he's not always in there, and there are some people saying like, oh, well, you know, he might start the season in AAA, blah, blah, blah. So I guess my question to you is, do I have this wrong that like, I just assume that this is part of the plan for him to start out, be your quote unquote opening day second baseman, I guess, you know, maybe not depending on the pitching matchup or whatever, but more or less your your starting season second baseman, uh, given his hitting profile, given the confidence the organization has given of him, including the extension, also not signing anybody to kind of block him uh so my question is am i am i off here because there's been more than one person kind of saying like it's not a guarantee which i know nothing's a guarantee but in terms of the projection i feel like it's a pretty safe one
1: yeah i think so i think plan a is definitely for colt keith to be the opening day second baseman if colt keith starts the year in toledo that probably means you're looking at nick maton or ryan Kreidler on the opening day roster Nothing against those guys, but uh, I think it'd be a lot more exciting and you'd probably feel better if Colt Keith is the guy in your lineup. Giving him the contract would seem to speak to confidence that he is going to be in the big leagues all year. You know, Scott Harris was asked directly about this at the extension presser. Will Colt Keith be your opening day second baseman? Of course, he's not going to (laughs) come out and say yes. You know, he said, It changes a lot of things. It changes the paycheck. It changes this and that. It doesn't fundamentally change his development timeline. Colt has to show up to Lakeland and he has to earn a spot on our opening day roster. Uh, Scott went on to say that hopefully by investing in him and giving him this contract, we are showing that we expect him to make a very compelling case in spring training to be our opening day starter at second base. That is Scott Harris speak for... Yeah, if he shows up to Lakeland and doesn't totally suck, he's he's going to be our <laughs> opening day second baseman. Um, so so pending injury, pending, you know, he just suddenly, which would be uncharacteristic, suddenly he looks overwhelmed by higher level pitching. I think uh, I think we're going to see Colt Keith out there from the jump. Again, do you really have better options in house? Uh, I don't I don't think so and uh with the contract there's there's no service time games to be played or anything of that nature so i, I think you can pencil him in pretty safely
0: yeah it, it would and again it wouldn't be like the end-all be-all but it would look rather silly to give this guy the contract and then him not be on your opening day roster it would just look silly it wouldn't be that big a deal but it would kind of look silly and then there is some sort like he is a qualifier, is he not, for draft pick compensation for uh for him to break with the team, right? He does kind of fall into that category, I believe. Uh he's on all the lists. Yeah,
1: yeah, he still qualifies for for all that good yeah, stuff.
0: So, I mean, if there was I haven't mean, looked, I don't even know if odds are available yet, but if there's like American League Rookie of the Year odds, I imagine he'd be up there, um, and would be a safe bet. And look, that'd be great if uh if he had, the, if he had a Rookie of the Year type year, you're kind of liking your chances in the AL Central. So, uh, so yeah. And then another kind of quick thing about Keith, we see this, we think this. Uh, sometimes this stuff isn't always kind of said verbatim, but AJ Hinch was on, and we'll reference this uh, a couple times on the pod. AJ Hinch was on the show, the New York Post Baseball uh, Podcast with uh, Joel Sherman and who is the other. And John John, John John Heyman. Heyman. Uh, Great listen, by the way. Two old-time New Yorkers just, like, not even fluffing up the questions, you know, just, like, right at them, you know. Uh, So that was was a great listen. Those guys uh, have a fun podcast in general, I think. But AJ kind of said, like, he's going to be a second baseman, but we'll still probably have him field some balls at uh, third base. So um, that's about as on the record as you get with this team kind of leading in. And and that kind of is a, a nice little transition here to uh, to another topic that you and I, Cody, and every Tigers podcast that uh, has any sort of voice has discussed ad nauseum, and that's third base. So that was one of the questions on on the show with AJ Hinch and, Look, to recap how I feel, and then Cody, you can say it too. Uh, it would have been nice to be able to get like a real upgrade at third base, just generally speaking. There wasn't anything in free agency that was sexy or without some level of high risk. And anytime the, the whole trade thing gets put out there, it's always more complicated than just go trade for X. You know, you got to give something up. Someone's got to be willing, you know, blah, blah, blah. So
1: I still don't know who who X is. All these people who want to trade. I I never hear who they want to trade for.
0: No, you're you're absolutely right.
1: Josh Young. Let's, let's have the oh, Uh yeah, uh hey Chris Young, can <laughs> we have uh Josh Young? No. End of conversation.
0: Hey, it's right, you know. Uh so the Tigers had a really bad time at third base last year. Uh historically bad maybe even. Uh if you look at the numbers. And this year it's filled with but it is essentially a platoon. I don't think AJ used that word specifically on the show, but he basically said you have a natural. I'm gonna try to uh, quote as directly as I can, but sort of a natural like you have Virling versus lefties and Abanias versus left. Uh, uh, no, no, excuse me. Veerling versus righties, Abanias versus lefties, and that's kind of like a natural flow, or it's some kind of word right there. And then you th- and you know you throw in some some other guys who might be a possibility too. Uh, last offseason pod. We can kind of put a bow on this. The Tigers made strategic choices at third base this year. I don't think... Or this offseason, I should say. I don't think you can solve every... Ro- plug every roster hole. I don't think... Uh, I don't think you... As much as you... like. It would have been nice for April, for August, and September. I don't know if you necessarily needed to. If you believe in... Speaking of Young, Jace Young. Uh, Projections-wise... AJ seemed pretty comfortable with, uh, he used this term like eight times on the podcast, optionality. He seems pretty comfortable with the optionality of having a And he brought up a like three or four times unprompted. You know, this is a New York-based baseball podcast here. They're not bringing up Andy Banez. Like, what are your thoughts on Andy? <laughs> AJ brought it up himself, which I think kind of speaks to his level of confidence in being able to use a uh, and put him in situations where he's gonna be most successful, and then Vera Lane will obviously be you know all over the field as well there. So uh, Jahan maybe fits into that. Like there's a, there's there's a litany of guys that will kind of see some time at third. But I think I think I feel better about the pr- prospect of third base this season than what we saw last season because obviously everybody was hyped for Maton going into the season. Didn't work out that way. Scope is no longer on the team. Mayton likely is going to be a, you know, kind of like a quad A player this season. Hope I must be out to turn there. Um, and, you know, maybe Kreidler as a spot, you know, here or there. Like, it just seems to me like, it is what it is at this point And I understand it. Even if you can disagree with it, I understand it. I know I've said that like eight times this offseason, but this is like the last time before it gets actually real.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's where I'm at on it too. Uh, people still seem surprised when, you know, there's another headline, oh, the Tigers aren't gonna do anything at third base. Um, you know, maybe you just haven't been in baseball mode or and you're kind of catching up. I, I guess that's fine. But hey, we've been saying since the end of the season, Matt Vierling is probably your your opening day starter at third base. I'm interested to see how the at bats will actually get divided. And I asked AJ that at winter meetings. I like, how are you gonna split up at bats at third base? And he said, you know, I don't know. I don't think we have to know in December. Uh, but Vierling and Abanias isn't an, a natural platoon. Both of them are, are right-handed hitters. You know, you look at the numbers, Veerling is probably uh, a little better against righty. I don't know. He has more power against righties, slightly higher on base against lefties. Banyas uh, hits lefties, probably better. So how are you going to actually divvy that up? And that's not even mentioning Zach McKinstry, who I think is going to get at bats there. He is a left-handed yeah, bat. Yeah, I meant
0: to mention him. Probably Thank
1: a you. little. I think a better uh, d- defender at third than a that's where the Colt Keith thing, I mean, a his best defensive position, at least last year was second base. Um, Scott Harris said he wouldn't rule out a little bit of Colt Keith playing some third too. So AJ used the term optionality. He knows I'm going to make fun of him for that all year. <laughs> so we're going to see the mixing and the matching and then the, the platooning and then this and then that. And, and Hey, it's fun to track. It's fun to follow. Um, this is this is going to be the reality of the Tigers this year. So, just don't don't be surprised when this is what we see. I will dangle a carrot for for the kind listeners out there, though. This Matt Chapman thing it's dragging on a while. Why hasn't he signed? It's starting to look like he might sign with the Giants. But what if something goes wrong there? What if suddenly you could have Matt Chapman on a one year pillow deal? Would you do it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm. Outside of somebody who is uh, like a locker room cancer or whatever, I'm pretty much okay with anybody on a one-year deal. Who who cares?
1: Yeah, and uh, so I would put the odds of this happening at less than 10%. But it's kind of fun to talk about, right? Give the guy whatever he wants for one year. You're not sacrificing the future. You don't even know for sure if J.C. Young is going to be big league ready by the end of this year. That's kind of like you're hoping that that comes to fruition. But we saw, you know, Colt, Keith, and Malloy didn't play in the big leagues last year when they were ready. So Scott can be like, oh, we need, still need to, him to work on his defense. You add Matt Chapman to this lineup, this clubhouse. The left side of your infield, Javi Baez at short, Matt Chapman at third. You want to win the Central, man. Wouldn't that be fun? It's probably not going to happen.
0: <laughs> well, but well, let,
1: let, if this drags yeah, on I was about to say. spring training, let, I don't let's know. Let's just have some fun I here for know. a
0: second in our last offseason play. Let's just say this drags on a little bit and... You start thinking like like Scott Harris and his own optionality. Uh, he's like, all right, well, I can bring this guy on like a you know a one or a one plus one team option or something like that if you wanted to do that. Low risk. Maybe you can flip him. You know, there's, you know all of a sudden the gears start turning in that old Scotty H head of his. And on a certain level, it would make sense. And it is kind of weird that like, I don't want to say weird, but it's, you know. I would have
1: thought he would have signed by now,
0: you know. And, and totally. he's—I
1: don't—I don't think the offers have been quite what he was. Looking and he's for, not the only so. one. There's
0: some starting pitchers out there. Not that I, th- I think the Tigers are pretty happy with the guys they brought
1: in rotation-wise. So if he—if he's not pleased with his market, man, a pillow deal might not be the worst idea for him. I uh, just say it, it, just it saying. could.
0: It. I hope it happens because it gives us more things to talk about. Uh, I, and I get to, ch-
1: uh, unfortunately we'll, we'll be, we'll be talking about Matt Vierling and, and, Andy exactly <laughs> and, and Yvonne is stuff.
0: But. but hey, I mean, that's, uh, that's okay. It's like I said, you can't, I mean, I guess you theor- theoretically could, but like you're not really solving everything in one off season, generally speaking up until I think the Yankees signed Stroman. I don't think they had technically like spent a dollar in free agency because their big move was the Soto trade, you know? So really? I thought, you know, I, I, when I first heard that, I thought that was hilarious. You know, it's the Yankees, but uh, but this roster in general, Cody. You know, I'm looking through it, and then I'm I'm watching the 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 show, the podcast that AJ was on, and I've seen AJ enough on TV and in the interviews that you guys have in the dugout or whatever, post game, pre game, whatever. And then you know, you see him, you know, basically every day during the season, so you can you can you know this better than I, but. He's he's pretty good at really only telling you what he wants and kind of keeping that poker face when the cameras are on, and he did he did for the most part because these guys will just like say like Chapman's available and you know blank stare from <laughs> from AJ, uh, but you look at his words and I wrote some of them down and then you see his like expressions. You talked to your about yourself earlier, kind of being like in baseball mode, hype for it. As far as A.J. Hinch media availabilities, that's about as excited as I've seen him. Like, he he kind of, like, he's using words like, there's some build to this, talking about the roster and, uh, and the construction of the right type of guys and, and the strong finish to last season, 18 and 10, I believe. You know, he said, the belief st- system is starting to establish. He's talking about culture. He's talking about sort of, like, multi-year momentum a little bit he seems like uh, yeah at the next sense, he'll say you still got to do on the field blah blah blah. but in terms of february 1st or whenever that interview was he seems about as confident as i've seen him in terms of the prospects of this team and i i was trying to kind of read why and i'm like you know this roster you talk about optionality this roster might be one of the favorites he's had in a long time now you probably prefer the the roster with lots of stars you know but in terms of managerial impact he's got a lot of pieces at his disposal he's got young guys who are still growing and he's got i would say kind of the right kind of veterans for for his approach uh that you know are professionals they have some optionality to them and you don't really have like a whole lot of egos uh in this, in, in that kind of sense obviously the elf in the room would be Javi Baez we'll talk about him in a second too but I think this might be one of his this might I think AJ likes this team I think he really does I feel like this feels more of like an AJ Hinch style team than he's had probably in a long time even going back to
1: previous jobs yeah I mean I mean it's it's built for him to be a manager who has an imprint on the game Uh, part of that is still this is a team that's building AJ has talked about it before yeah you'll You'll take the 2019 Astros. You'll take the lineup with established stars. Until you have that, you have to get a little creative, and AJ's one of the very best at getting creative. Um, you know, I I, I, I almost want to make fun of him. You know, I'm not really worried about multi-year momentum. I'm just I'm just worried about tomorrow today. <laughs> How are we going to be the best we can today? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you can sense. You want to boil it down to one reason why AJ Hinch likes this team? He has the DH spot open. There's no Miguel Cabrera that you have to figure out how to get in the lineup and where are you going to hit him and how do you use him and how much do you play him. Something that consumed a large amount of AJ's mental space is no longer on the table. Now he has this lineup spot open. He can put whoever he wants there. Even though I don't hate the idea of the Tigers going and getting JD Martinez, that one also not going to happen. Uh, it, and it, it, it frees up the entire roster. It really does. The absence of Miguel Cabrera, uh, yeah, he's an all-time great, but it's addition by subtraction in a pretty big way. And I, I think no one recognizes that more than the manager.
0: He also said, "quote, Youth can win," which, uh, you know, because he's in speaking in reference to some of these other teams and the way they're building. He's like, "Look, you can have young teams that you know can absolutely win and." I have to imagine that part of this confidence stems from the division of which the Tigers sit in. I I don't think he would feel this way in the American League East. Just a no. just a hunch there. Um but you know, another thought,
1: you can win in the AL East. It's just the Baltimore Orioles <laughs> who I got a little bit more on their plate than, than our Tigers. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's they're looking like one of the more fun organizations. Uh, by the way, Cody and I were at an Oklahoma State basketball game uh, last week when we were in Stillwater. Jackson Holiday with his dad Matt was um, in the building, at, yeah. In the building, so that was pretty cool. Um, this just also just occurred to me, Cody, with like Dusty Baker retirement. We're not getting probably not going to see Buck Walter again. Uh, Tito. Francona, also retired. There's... All of a sudden, AJ is kind of like the veteran voice of managers uh, in baseball, or at least one of them. And if he turns the Tigers around, he's not thinking about this, you know? But in terms of the way we view him or the baseball collective views him, he turns the Tigers around. All of a sudden, he's kind of A1 manager. You know what I mean? In people's minds, I think. Because he would... He would have gotten back in the good graces of the oh. baseball gods after how it ended in Houston and like remind people, it's like, Hey, I am a winning manager, by the way. Like I got, yeah. Yeah, I got some jewelry to me. You know what I'm saying? So I think he's not thinking about this, but in terms of stuff that would be an interesting plot line of the season, I think that's on the board. That's all.
1: Well, I, I mean, but you know, I've had that thought in my mind for a long time. The day AJ Hinch gets back in the playoffs, it's going to be interesting. Uh, we're going to hear a lot more about the 17 Astros than we have in a couple of years, because all of a sudden, the the legacy of AJ Hinch will become a national conversation right now. Um, he does have to go win. I mean, uh, a, a lot of people forget that AJ Hinch is managing the tigers right now from a national sense or the, or like kind of the average baseball fan. Oh yeah. He's, he's managing the tigers. Oh, they haven't done anything in the three years he's been there. Like, uh, eh, maybe he's nothing special. Uh, To the average fan, that's probably how it's perceived. Now, I I do think one of the reasons AJ has wanted to stay and and been committed to Detroit and sign this extension is he wants to build it. He wants to be the guy who plays a big role in building this versus going straight to a team that's ready to win. Uh, I do think it could establish more credence, um, kind of legitimize AJ as a manager if he gets the Tigers there. Um, But, you know, Kieran, for now, I'm really just focused on uh, winning Winning today's podcast. So. <laughs>
0: well, okay, so a couple other notes from, from his interview on the show. Uh, he spoke glowingly of Scoobble, which is, you know, very easy thing to do if you're his manager. Uh, but he said that Scoobble is the guy, like, you know, before games at batting practice or whatever, personnel from both teams on the field. He said Scoobble is the guy that he gets asked about the most. And hmm. he said that... Uh, you know they're getting you know Green and Carpenter like he started spouting off those names as the guys that he's getting like you know you know what's up with this Carpenter guy like he seen he was indicating that the Tigers are making waves in some sort uh some sort of fashion among other teams in in, in baseball so that you know that's good that's good to hear if you're a Tigers fan and then lastly you know it's a national podcast and it's but it's also kind of like New York centric so they ask about Javi Bias and when i say like the podcast interview style it's like yeah Javi they didn't this is not a quote yeah Javi's kind of stunk uh, these past 2 years uh, what's <laughs> up with that how are you going to fix him and you know AJ handled it really well he did say now we i don't think this has been out there publicly yet but we kind of all figured but he said they sent some coaches to Puerto Rico to work out with him. They had some, uh, you know, they sent a trainer as well. He didn't say best shape of his life, but he did say Javi is in, you know, good shape or whatever. Um, <laughs> which uh, which we will definitely get here in a couple of weeks, Cody. Uh, but he basically alluded to like, look, Javi's got to be better, obviously. And I'm paraphrasing all this stuff. Javi's got to be better, but we have these other guys on the team that... You know, torque, Green, Carp, even like Canna, that can alleviate some burdens, whether it's offensive production or sort of like the leadership, veteran presence. Because now all of a sudden these guys got a you know a couple skins on the wall, some of them, and and that should help Javi. One of those things, Cody. To me, that like I'm you know, there's I'm, there's some truth to that, I believe, but it's also kind of like Coach Speaky. So uh so yeah so what you your take on the Tigers uh still doing all they can i think to make Javi into a productive player which he was certainly has not really been offensively speaking uh since he signed that contract
1: Well you got to do something you can't just not try you know the guys are going to be on your team you're going to pay him a lot of money so you you might as well see what you can do I'll be interested to see what his swing looks like are there any noticeable mechanical differences? Is any, has anything really changed? Um, right now, we don't know the, the answer to that question. I, I think that is the thing. You can, you can say all you want what is actually going to be different. And even when the Tigers were kind of pitching this plan, uh, you know, I think I basically asked Scott Harris that, like, what's, how are you actually going to change him? And there was some strategic stuff that, you know, Scott didn't necessarily want to delve into publicly at the time. Come spring training, we might have a better idea of okay, how is this guy actually going to be a better hitter? Is that feasible? As his his approach is never going to change a whole lot, but I think the idea was getting him to catch up to fastballs more often and drive fastballs. What is going to make that attainable? You know, can can he lift the ball? Can he access his power a little more? I don't have expectations for a huge Javi improvement at all. I don't think we're ever going to see 2019 Javi Baez again. But Javi can certainly be a little bit better than he was last year. And, you know, from a team sense, a little bit better from Javi could indeed go a long way.
0: Well, the, I think what you're looking for, and, and AJ made mention of, like, the, you know, there would be, like, 30-day, 30 30-game-ish 30 kind of stints where it's like, ooh, all right. Okay. I, I, I see why this guy, you know, El Mago and all that stuff. Uh, but I think you, at this point, you're probably just looking for more of that. You're not looking for it all the time, but you're looking for like the highs to be a little bit more sustained. Like it's kind of like an incremental thing. The highs to be a little bit more sustained and maybe even a little higher. And then you, the, the lows get a little bit easier to swallow. It's just that when the roller coaster is kind of down most of the time, it's hard to enjoy it when it's high up.
1: Suddenly, it's not a very fun ride. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well, speaking of roller coasters, actually, Cody, um, it's been a the first like month of the season every year of Hinch's tenure has been one of those roller coasters. Like I said, that's just kind of is down. Uh, not not a lot of ups, and I think. In his, I think they probably, I don't, I guess I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure they had the worst record for the first 30 games, like combined, uh, in in the last three years, like I, I'm just guessing, uh, has not been good. And we talked about it going into last season that this gauntlet of a schedule to start out with was brutal. Looking ahead a little bit, I know spring training hasn't happened yet, and you know, a lot can change. It's kind of a nice start to the schedule. I think this could be... This is like a little bit of a... I don't want to say break. Because you got to play these teams eventually. But it's a lot nicer to start out with. So you start out at Chicago. uh, White Sox. Then you're at the Mets. Then you're hosting for the first series. The Athletics. You play the Pirates. Two games. And then... You know, that's kind of where it starts to get, you know, a little bit formidable. But the first three series are against teams that either admittedly or not admittedly aren't necessarily, like, trying to win all that much. So, you know, then you got the Twins and Texas and Tampa, you know, to round it out. But you end the month hosting Kansas City, basically, and the Cardinals. This looks like it could be the makings of a good start to the season, something of which we have not seen uh In a while.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the Tigers are 25 and 49 in the months of March and April in three years under AJ Hinch. 25 and 49. They've been really bad all three years. They've been out of it by the end of April pretty much all three years. I mean, last year, I guess they hung around a little longer because the division was so bad. But in reality, eh, you knew pretty early on the season was over. I think it will be nice for the Tigers not to have to face, you know, uh, a Shane Bieber or, or Shane McClanahan on the opening day this year. Uh, the White Sox are pretty bad. They just are. The Met, I mean, the Mets, they still have a lot of talent. They might they might be better than people They think. do,
0: but they're looking at this as like a wash
1: year, so... It, no, definitely. Uh, the A's are kind of a disgrace to the game of baseball, and the Pirates are not very good either. So this opportunity is there. You know, you better make something of that. You better... You, You better keep the fans interested for, like, at least two weeks this time. It's baseball. Weird stuff happens, especially early in the season. You're going to be playing in, you know, cold weather, so who knows. Uh, But at least the schedule is more favorable. I do think that provides a little bit of a ray of hope uh, for the Tigers this year, at least that the the Tigers can keep things interesting into the summer for the first time in quite a while.
0: Well, I actually think it's kind of interesting that you have these, you know, again teams that you're not sure are actually trying to win to start the year and if there is such a thing as momentum this would be a good case study for it because you would then you go into the Twins who I mean no one's like scared of the Twins but they are the, you got to respect them as the defending champions of your division and they do have some dudes on there right and then obviously the defending world champion texas rangers then twins again and that that
1: looks like uh you know four games against the rangers that's not fun you're gonna face some some pretty good pitching but you play them outdoors in detroit in april that's a lot better than playing them you know in texas where the ball is gonna fly that you know i think that there's certainly a less formidable matchup in detroit in april
0: interesting i'm just looking at it now the You know, the Jackie Robinson day, the 15th, Monday, that's your regular start time, 6.40 Eastern. After that, three straight day games in that series. Just, you know, a little anomaly there. So, yeah, I mean, I think if 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 there's something to really get you going and get excited for this season, I think the prospect of, in theory, just not being downtrodden to start the year has to at least give you a little juice. So, all right, let's do... Some other news this week, ESPN's Kylie McDaniel came out with his top 100 prospect list, and 6% of the members of, uh, of that list are in the Tigers organization. So I'll just run them down here real quick. Jackson Job, number 10, Max Clark, 15, Colt Keith, 40, Parker Meadows, 45, Jace Young, 63, and uh, Kevin McGonigal, 90. Five. so before we kind of get into some other stuff cody what was your initial reaction to uh to that list in the tigers there
1: uh a couple thoughts number one jackson Job. Good. the high train is top, back. 10. Back. Top, 10. top 10 top 10 ranked higher than marcelo meyer i believe he's uh 28 Jordan Lawler still in the prospects list and he's above him too it was the uh, justice for alavila <laughs> Uh, Kylie's review of Job was rave and Job was really good at the end of last year. But Kylie McDaniel wrote, Job is the rare pitching prospect who has a real chance to become an ace. Oh, this has provided us so much good podcast fodder. And this guy, uh, you know, this guy is, is still in the low levels of the minors. <laughs> Interesting, to see what happens with Job this year. I mean, if, if he continues on this trajectory, he could be in the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, development's not always that linear, so I'm sure he'll probably encounter some other form of adversity this year, but, um, the gift that keeps giving the draft pick of Jackson joe uh, you know, uh, obviously pretty high on Max Clark, although not as high as, uh, as Kylie was on one Wyatt Langford. another great podcast topic mm-hmm. to discuss for years to come. Uh, but my other takeaway, a little bit of a sobering dose of reality, I thought on Colt Keith. Ranked him 40, lower than Keith appears on uh, most other prospects' lists. Look, still a really good player, but Kylie writes, above average at everything, doesn't offer much speed or defensive value. And that is kind of uh, the cold, real, probably, evaluation of Colt Keith. Not a very good defender, not going to be a good base runner. Above average at everything in the batter's box. Doesn't say great. Doesn't say a generational talent in the batter's box, but Cole Keith, this kid can hit, and I think he's going to hit in the big leagues. Um, you know, but Kylie talks about his, his position uncertainty. He says, I think his long term fit will be playing all four corners with first base his most natural spot at maturity. He might not be wrong there. And so playing the corners a lot different than playing second base, but the twenty five to thirty homers from the left side will play anywhere, and so that's the facts. Truth you know, if a guys going to hit for a high average, 25 30 homers, you will take it. Uh but, you know, I do we talked about this last week, like it it almost feels like just because Keith got this contract, the the hype and the expectations automatically heighten. Uh whether that's fair to him or not. And and I think this scouting report was a little bit of a re- reminder of the player Colt Keith is more likely to be. So those were the two things that stood out to
0: me. Yeah, and look, I mean it's funny we never like lower expectations we always raise them you know what i mean because you know to go back to hobby just a quick second like if you take away the the contract part of it and and all that stuff you can kind of trick yourself into thinking okay we're here now lower your expectations let's try to get this no one does that uh colt keith has surpassed i think the more lofty of expectations to this point in terms of his trajectory when he was drafted. Absolutely. Uh, and especially again, I'll, he's, he's sort of like the one of the last remains of, uh, of the mystery COVID draft, right? Because he was a high school kid, fifth round, all that stuff, not like one, one. So I think that's of note. And then when you kind of look down the prospect list for the Tigers, I mean, I, I really like McGaugh. I mean, the McGonagall write-up by Kylie there was not that different from Colt Keith. There's actually a decent amount of guys that are the top prospects, uh, among the top prospects for the Tigers, that they just kind of went for bat and will figure it out. Uh, I mean, you could argue Jace Young was, was that way as well.
1: Oh, I, Jace Young was absolutely that way, yeah.
0: So it was nice to see McGonagall get some love because I kind of, I don't want to say forgot about him because it wasn't, you know, I wasn't in baseball mode over the past couple months, but uh it was nice to see like the strategy because you gotta remember the strategy of taking a Max Clark over Wyatt Langford part of it was Clark had a number he was cool with it and that allowed them to uh, essentially take McGonagall away from college so like you know like they're they're pieces they're pieces of the same puzzle in terms of the future of the franchise we'll see if it works out or not um but I think I think the Tigers are in an underratedly healthy position when it comes to their farm system. Now, Baseball America put them fifth. They had not been that high since we were talking about minor leaguers named Riley Green, Special Torres, and Terrence Schoolboy, Casey Mice. And we all knew it was kind of top-heavy then. It, it doesn't feel as top-heavy now, just a couple years later. Uh, there's still some and we'll talk about them more through spring training so I don't want to step on future topics but there's some guys in there with some intrigue that will that you know come March come February we're going to be you know keeping a keen eye on so I I think that's a credit to Scott some of this is not all his doing um uh, like I said Cole Keith was an Alavilla pick Jackson Joe was an Alavilla pick but it's it's a pretty balanced farm system right now, so I think again, if you're listening to things to feel positive about moving forward, that's got to be on there too.
1: Uh, I've I've been saying like, think what you want about Scott. I I think the fan base's opinions are maybe kind of mixed. I I don't know. It's been almost hard to get a pulse. I think they're they're kind of the group of fans that's really excited about the farm, and then there's the group of fans that just wants to see somebody at third base. Yeah, you know that's kind of at least been my my gauge on it. Uh, but this organization overall, I think, is by far the healthiest top-to-bottom that it has been um, since I have covered the team. Uh, the, the farm system's improvement over the course of one year, I mean, is should not it's be understated. Impressive. I mean, these guys were ranked in the, in the 20s. Keith Law ranked them 30 last year. And I thought that was a little low, but I thought they were still a bottom-third farm system with some interesting prospects, a little more depth than they had had. They had a lot of guys play really well and pop. It's pretty clear that the Tigers know what they're doing with pitchers these days. And, you know, Ryan Garko and his staff seem to be doing a good job getting a little more out of hitters, too. Um, Scott Harris's first draft, the pick of McGonagall was encouraging. Like, there are some really good things happening under the surface, and we have said that before. Uh, in the in the recent history of the Tigers, but I think it's more real than ever because I think the player development system is has improved uh, just drastically under under Ryan Garco, and then you know when Scott was hired to to oversee things, I think the scouting has improved. I think uh, a, a lot of those things are on the upswing, and it's a little more than just just talk uh, because of the people running it.
0: I mean, I think it's kind of nice to have. And again, it's only one guy's list, right? But we'll just use it. Your top six prospects, you have two guys that more or less are already in the major leagues. You have two that are almost at the doorstep or on the doorstep of the major leagues. And then you have two that just began their minor league career. Now, there are some variants there. Not everybody hits. Not everybody, you know, nobody bats a thousand on uh, draft picks and player development. But that's that's what I mean about balance and healthiness. Is that like those are three different stages of player development that they that these guys are in the top 100 list. Uh, just to tie a bow on uh, on one thing. So Parker Meadows was not on two the two other lists, I believe. So he is rookie eligible still this year, but he will not be under the qualification of getting draft pick compensation should he like win rookie
1: of the year or whatever. Which. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's that, that kind of sucks. Kind of highlights how how subjective that is, you know. Um, but he would have to go out and and be a rookie of the year vote getter for it to matter. So yeah, we'll, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll
0: and you know, the bat's still going to be the question. I think everybody's excited for the defense, and then the defense might. He's one of the few prospects that like uh, you're you're accepting a certain level of of, of plate uh production because the defense is is, so it's like the opposite of keith
1: or kylie wrote a solid outcome this year would be something like 240 340 400 line with 15 to 20 homers solid average center field defense which should equal a two something war season and possibly garner some rookie of the year votes i do think that's close to best case scenario for parker meadows you know 240 340 uh it's not unattainable but um A little bit of a high bar there, I think.
0: And I think also it's reminder, like it's another reminder of how highly Max Clark was regarded in the lead up to the draft. So like the I don't want to say shock because he did it it did leak that he you know had a workout at Comerica. So you shouldn't have been shocked when the pick was made. But the you know Langford's there, and then everyone's kind of hoping Cruz falls and all this stuff, and they take Clark and. There are people who thought that he was right up there with Jackson Holiday in the summer circuit. I know they're a year apart, but when he was going into his uh, junior year, I guess, or junior in the senior year, he was just right up there with those guys in terms of like you know the the, the showcase circuits and all that stuff. So everybody, were, you know, they say he's a cert. He's like Parker Meadows level defense. That some people throw out best arm, one of the best arms in the minors. Blah blah blah. blah. Speed. Uh it's a reminder of like why they chose him over a a finished really looking pretty nice product in, in Wyatt Langford. So uh just just of note there. Uh all right, Cody. Uh this looks like this will be a little bit of a shorter pod. We did have a, a big Colt Keith discussion earlier in the week, so you guys can go check that out if you want. We got Hall of Fame uh, results and we got Hall of Fame updates and uh i was gonna say your boy gary sheffield but you know i don't want to misconstrue uh what the purpose of your story was gary sheffield did not make it however we got joe mauer in um god i'm blinking right now sorry uh todd helton adrian Belchry, and adrian belchard i can't believe adrian belchard didn't get an all-star uh thing until his 30s that's wild um that is yeah and and obviously we know jim leland's going in uh your reaction to those three getting in and then a couple other, you know, follow-up topics.
1: Um, yeah, I think it was pretty close to the expected outcome. Uh, I thought, I thought Billy Wagner was going to get in. He finished just shy 73.8% of the vote this time around. Um, it, he'll probably get in soon. Beltray, of course was a shoe in Todd Hilton. Uh, glad to see him get in there. If he, Almost underrated, I think because he played in Colorado or maybe some people didn't, Take him seriously because he hit a course Field. This guy was a terrific player. And then there was some debate on Maurer, I think, the end of his career at first base. hurt his case a little bit, but the bottom line was uh, this guy won an MVP. This guy at one point was the best catcher in the game for, for a few years running. So I think he's deserving. Uh, Gary Sheffield, I've said I would have voted for him. I did not expect him to get in, but I thought he would get a higher percentage of the vote. He finished at 63.9%. I thought it was going to be closer. I thought he would be in, like, the low 70s. I thought it was going to be more borderline. And the same for for my actual boy, Andrew Jones, uh, growing up a Braves fan. Uh, I You know, 61.6%. There seemed to be a lot of momentum around Jones, and I thought he was going to cut it a little closer than he ultimately did.
0: Always interesting to see the, the vote percentages for some of these guys. And, like, I'll – I mean, I'll never understand voting for Gary, but not voting for, like, Manny or A-Rod. I mean, there's some stuff you could split hairs there, but it's, like...
1: I kind, I kind of get that.
0: It's it, Yeah, I guess, but... Those like, guys
1: actually serve PED suspensions, like, after you know, PEDs were formally banned and they failed tests. But then there are people that will say that. I'd still vote for him.
0: There are people that will say that and then there will be like, well, i vote Bonds in because he was a Hall of Famer before a legisterial use. And it's like, well, we're having to talk ourselves into like so many things when it comes to right. the Hall of Fame, which I guess is why it's interesting. But Jim Leland opts, or I assume it's his choice, opts for no logo um, uh, on his Hall of Fame plaque. I have no issue with that. I, no. I, I think he... He's the truest form of a baseball man and how, how old you are or where your fandom lies kind of makes you think of like what manager, you know what team he managed or whatever. So I, I have no issue with that, but it was it was probably one of those things where I kind of thought that might have even been the right decision for him, you know yeah,
1: I think it, it makes a lot of sense from Jim's standpoint. He talked about wanting to respect all the organizations he managed. Uh, it was obviously a tough call. He's an iconic manager in Pittsburgh. He won a World Series in Florida. He's an iconic manager in Detroit. After some thinking about it, I was like, if you had to pick one, though, I think you would you would pick the Tigers, even though that's not where he won his World Series. I would pick the Tigers because it's the organization he came up in as a player. It's the organization where he spent a lot of years managing in the minor leagues. Uh, he ultimately became the manager, went to uh, two World Series, and then the organization he's now employed with as a special assistant. And as it's overall the organization he spent the most time with, but uh, I think given his accomplishments in both Pittsburgh and Florida, the no, the no cap route or the no logo route makes sense. I think we're going to start seeing more of this in the hall of fame, given um, the proliferation of players mm-hmm. who, who played for multiple clubs. Now, you know, that just used to not be a thing. Uh, there's some tough calls, and um like yeah I, I think we're just gonna see more of it yeah
0: and like i said i have no problem with it it is nice as a fan to see like the guy you recognize as part of your organization like um you know at the hall of because i've been to the hall of fame i think three times and like as somebody who didn't grow up in michigan and you know Obviously, Tigers aren't like a marquee franchise in the way of like the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Dodgers. Like it's still it's, like cool to see that logo like at the Hall of Fame. So I, I get the uh, yeah. the notion for that. But for
1: think, think about it, Helton and Joe Mauer played their entire career. Helton was only a Rocky. Joe Mauer was only a Twin. They're going to be like two of the last guys to get in the Hall of Fame like that. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't happen anymore. And Adrian Beltre, of course, played for several different teams, ultimately had his best years as, as a Ranger. So he goes in as a Ranger. But uh, Helton and Maurer are rarities now.
0: So how long until you get a Hall of Fame vote?
1: Uh, Ten years in the BBWA. I think I have five more years. So we'll see if society exists that <laughs> long. <laughs> Hopefully. Because uh, I want you to
0: have that Hall of Fame vote. Uh, anything else, Cody, before we get out of here?
1: No, I think that covers it. All
0: right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for sticking through us through an off season. Um, definitely credit to Scott Harris for giving us some topics to talk about. You, you kind of look back. It's like, all right, that was you know, good move here, decent move here. Okay, I see what you're doing. So uh so yeah, definitely had enough fodder for the off season and now we will I'm just gonna say off season over now, even though technically they have not reported for another like ten days or whatever. So uh you can follow Cody on X following you know, on Twitter at CodyStavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley, pod page at turn corner pod, YouTube turn the corner podcast, and Apple's Apple and Spotify, please subscribe if you feel so inclined. So for Cody Steven Hagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great week.